we go. So, hello everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Grumpy Pony podcast. And I'm really happy to be joined by Tony and Rob from the Goblin Athenium. And, uh, well, Athenium, isn't it? Athenium, that's Athenium, right. Not yeah. Athenium. Um, who are going to help me out with this because last time I thought it was good but the last thing you want to do is listen to me just chatting to myself the whole time so that's the last thing we want yeah shut up right so the first thing I would say quick intro to you guys so if you just let me know let everyone else know as well who you are where you come from uh, well I'm Rob and I live in Tunbridge is that even relevant <laughs> you've really caught me on the hop <laughs> I feel like I'm on a game show uh, no tell you what I'm Rob I come to the shop I started the YouTube channel, The Goblin Athenium, and I've been playing war games for 25 years. Yeah, about that. And yeah. Uh, so I'm Tony, and uh, well, Rob and I went to school together about 25 <laughs> years ago, uh, which is when we started playing war games. So I also live in Tunbridge and come to the shop and feature regularly on The Goblin Athenium. Cool. Okay, excellent. So, um, I think the first thing what we want to do is we're going to split this up. So, I was talking to the guys earlier and we've sort of split it up into some bullet points into what we're going to talk about. So, the first thing I really want to talk about is the uh, new contrast paints because I think they have been pretty massive. I'm loving them. I've managed to speed up my painting no end. The idea of just doing a base and a shade in one go means that I've just painted a load of Gene Steeler Coal in what? An afternoon, so I was well happy with that. I don't look good. Oh, I was I meditating know. on this the other day, mm. and I don't know if this is like such a good move from Games Workshop for commercial reasons. What do you mean? Just because they're just using instead of using a base and a shade, you're just using one exactly pack. right because these things, the result they give looks like what would could otherwise take three colours to achieve, right? And now all you have to do is just buy the one pot, and you get something that's fairly indistinguishable from like a base and a, a base and a shade, and a well, shade right so kind of have they done themselves out of a market i don't so know i've been know. watching a lot of the stuff on the uh, warhammer community page which i try and keep up to date with and there's a lot of really really talented painters talking about how they're using it and talking about how they're using techniques with the contrast paints and 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 and, and the traditional methodology as well mm -hmm. and actually they're getting some really good results from using both yeah. so I think there's scope for painters such as myself yeah. and I use the word painters very loosely um, that th there's scope for people who are not necessarily um, uh, inclined to paint on a regular basis to be able to produce something that looks tabletop worthy but you can also use these uh, if you're a much more talented painter and you can use them to really great effect and there's some really good looking models on the Warhammer community page that sort of um, showcases that so I don't think they're doing themselves out of anything yet I think they're just expanding on the range yeah I, I think if anything they're because I mean don't forget the contrast paint, paints are a little bit more expensive oh so they're a little bit more expensive and people it's actually encouraging people who wouldn't normally be picking up those paints from having a go and picking them up I say Tony for for one being one of these people who would never have painted before. It was a sideways comment because what I was trying to imply was they actually do such a good job mm. yeah. that really you can just get away with the one pot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so yeah. that that's the main thrust of what I was getting at. Um, but of course, yeah, add extra layering and then as your skills develop. 
But I didn't realise that they were more expensive than Only, uh, yeah, not by much, but like they are a little bit. 50p more. or something like that. And... Uh, about like a quid, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Ah. And what yeah. colours have you done? Because we're looking at some Gene Steeler Colt that you've done over here, and you said that you cracked out a bunch in a night. Just oh, I cracked them. out a bunch in a night. Well, basically, my favourite combination at the moment is the Wraithbone spray with the Blood Angels red over the top. And that gives you that really nice, sort of rich red colour. Just, it works really well and then you just I just went over with lead belcher and added some chips and dings on the and also the what you showed Tony the other night was we were in the shop we happened to come in and you collared him and made him use these things mm. and you can lay them on a bit thicker or you can lay them on a bit more thinly yeah, yeah. And, you, can, you um, can even use the there's a medium so you can use it to water them down so you can use them almost as a shade so they're already I'd say like a thick shade but you can water them down even more and use them as a more traditional shade as well. It's fantastic, really. If you can get something down, because we did a, a brief video on the, on the Goblin Athenium about this. Um, we cracked out 60 talons in one evening, mm. me and uh, Nathan. And um, it was spray can was a big part of, of it because mm. you need to kind of get some colour on there to begin with, right? Yeah. And so you've been using white or, or bleach bone on these as a base, yeah? Uh, as a well, spray it's, base. It's, it's the, oh, sorry. It's the wraith bone, but it's, it's, essentially, it's essentially, yeah, it's like a bone colour, like a nice off-white, creamy yeah. colour. And then you get your contrast paint on the go, and then once you've done that layer, so for example, on these models that sadly, you know, you can't see through the podcast, but we're looking at them here, you've got like these long distinctive cloaks, you've got the kind of uh, jumpsuits of the hybrids there in the blue. Mm. Um that's, uh, you know, just between uh, the spray and getting that done, you're already getting, like, most of the model covered, yeah, right? Yeah, well, and I mean... it's just a case the, of picking out some details. The time, yeah, the, the, the time-saving thing is the bases and the shades. Because you are doing, say, like, the jumpsuits were blue with a little layer just to do some highlights mm -hmm. again. So, uh, but then the, the good thing is that if you want to stop at that point when you've just put the shade, the um, contrast paint down, you can, you and can. they still look decent. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's good. Anything that encourages people to paint more, as you know, it's just got a bit of paint on them. There's nothing worse than playing stuff on the table. It's just all grey. On our drive up here, Tony said once or twice now that um, you're going to be embarking on a project using these exact things, right? Yeah. Well, uh, well, it's not Games Workshop, but I have just come into possession of a board game. You have indeed. Uh, Stuffed Fables. Stuffed Fables. Oh yes. yes which I'm really, really excited to do. It's got some really cool-looking miniatures, and I thought that this would be a really good opportunity for me to try my hand with these contrast paints and see I if think I can get something looking, looking half respectable before we start embarking on what is a, what is a sort of legacy mm. board game type thing. So I think that could be quite good if they will look the part. Yeah. Funny that I had a customer in today, and I was talking about how I've been using the contrast paints on other models that weren't GW, and he was really surprised. He was like, what? You, you, use, you use them on other models. I was like, oh, you are an app. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this is why I think we really like the Grumpy Pony. It's because it's not just Games Workshop. It is independent. Mm. And you can um, mix and match yeah. paints with different models and uh, other gaming systems. It's just nice to have I remember this myself back in the day. Seeing someone bring out one of those little Vallejo paints mm. and painting Games Workshop miniature with it. And you're kind of like, what are you doing? <laughs> Is that a lot? Unclean. <laughs> Unclean. 
Yeah, I, it's, it is funny because uh, you, you do get that. But I mean, I must admit, I, I, I have always used the GW paints and I do like them and I do prefer them. I just think once you find what you like, you, see, you tend to stick to it. And I, I say I've been using them on everything and it all, I always seem to get a decent result. I mean, it's more pilot error, the reason I don't get a decent one. <laughs> and there's one thing that they um, that would be nice from G-Dub if this ever gets back to him, and I've been told by other people, uh, um, lack of spray can colours. They've got a load. They've got a load? Yeah, yeah. Am I load. mistaken then? They've I got blues, that... reds, greens. Yeah? Yeah. What colours do you want? Uh, well, I'd have to go away and do my research now. Yeah. But I thought... Well, I'll end up getting a message from you and say, turquoise or something. <laughs> 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 yeah, they've got, they have got loads, but we don't have them all here. We can, uh... we can always get them in though. Oh, okay. Oh, well, scrap that then. Yeah. Scrap that comment. See if we can Forget convince that. Ben to order a can of rainbow spray paint and yeah. see what comes back. Yeah, my account manager's never been the same since I asked for the, t- the tartan spray paint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think the contrast paints are great. I think I like the sprays, I've got to admit. Like the undercoat sprays. I don't know if you guys, have you, you haven't really used them yet, have you? No. I do like them. I think they're good. Uh, get, it seems to get a nice coverage on them so if you haven't tried one i would definitely recommend them um because they are nice and they do really complement the actual contrast paints as well i've tried the contrast paints on the other sprays mm-hmm. and they do work um actually i thought I, my original thought was that they weren't going to because you get a bit more of a it's, it's, it sounds weird they're almost a bit drier right the actual sprays you know when you when you put them on they feel like they're not smooth when you're putting the contrast yeah. paints on but um, they do still work. They do really work enough. I know what you mean. Having used Chaos Black Spray in the past, it finishes up quite matte. Mm. But you feel like... That would have been the better way to explain it, rather than... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the white, for example, has... Um, yeah, it's like the surface, if you looked at it... It feels mm. like if you looked at it under a microscope, it would be a smoother, smoother, yeah, yeah. smoother finish. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. And also, when you paint any colours over that they end up looking so much more vibrant mm. especially if you're going for a palette like um, of greens and light blue you know light greens and light blues and reds and that sort of thing they you know to use the vernacular they really pop yo yeah yeah off that white undercoat yeah I find it <laughs> <laughs> that's what all the kids say right pop yeah that's sick the, I mean <laughs> sick everything's sick that's what I hear everything's sick with the wrong table to discuss yeah. what the kids say yeah yeah <laughs> should we start talking about what's cool <laughs> start dabbing that's it I don't even know someone I, I did have the first dab in the shop as well Someone did you tell me to get out well at first, at first I thought well, there was something wrong with his elbow but he just kept on doing it and I was just like oh I'm sure he'd be alright in a minute because it's that one where they do that yeah that weird thing and uh, it was by the window and I thought what is, I don't know what that is. What Where's prom- that come from? What prompted it? Did, was this... Well, he, he'd, he'd rolled two sixes, so to be fair to him, it was a fair... Makes, makes total sense. He only had two dice in his hand. Ah, so, like, you know, the best result. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it's worth a dab, I mean, like, why not? But there's that, that or flossing. I haven't had a flossing? Floss. You haven't seen the floss yet? No, my dentist keeps encouraging me no, to do it. It's that weird I'm... one with the legs. Oh, I've seen that. Uh, can you try that again? Yeah, well, no, I don't think it's great for, for, an, for an audio-based podcast. Maybe, not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe for the next video. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll, get, we'll get Ben flossing. Just have, have me flossing in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit of flossing. Okay, well, so... Yeah, 
we'll leave we'll leave the contrast talk on me flossing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we ended up slightly off topic. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, hopefully, you can hammer us on to the next. Well, let's go to the next one, shall we? So basically, next thing I wanted to say is what are we all on at the moment. What are we excited about? I know Tony, you mentioned stuff fables. Mm. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Or? Uh, yeah, so board game, uh, as Ben has found, uh, I, my, I really like board games. I really like sitting around. And it's a cooperative board game. The concept for this is that you play one of four stuffed teddy bears that belong to a little girl, and your job is to protect the little girl from the nightmares. But what makes mm. this particularly interesting is that um, you've got, uh, you don't have a fixed board as such. You have a storybook. Okay. So you open the book, and on the first double page, you have a board and a set of rules associated with that particular page, and you have some objectives within it. And then you turn the page once you've completed that particular session, and they could be short 20-minute sessions or some take longer. Steve Little, uh, he's a friend of ours, has got this and has sort of mentioned some of them. He's sort of ended up spending two hours trying to work through a particular page. But the idea is you turn the storybook, and as the storybook progresses, um, each page is different. It's almost like an entirely separate board game. Oh, okay. But you are always playing as one of these stuffed teddies that, that have to protect your little girl from the nightmares. It's quite an interesting uh, cost, cut, cut, uh, concept, isn't it, really? I mean, I've not seen anything like that. It'd be interesting. Are you going to bring it in? Uh, I can do, absolutely. Yeah. Well, as I say, we mentioned with the, with the painting bit and the, just now, so my intent is to get these models done. Yeah. Um, they are the and, stuffed toys. Uh, they are the st- well. There's the stuffed toys and the nightmares. And the nightmares are very sort of um, reminiscent of like. Do uh, you remember Toy Story three? Was it with the kid that tortures all the toys and he gets all the, like the baby's head with the with the with the spiders. Mikado that was the first legs. one, wasn't it? Was it the first one. That's the first one. The kid with the skull on his t-shirt. The kid. No, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't the first one. Are you sure? He had the, like, the the weird doll's head with like a Meccano set of legs. It looked like a defiler. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. The Toy Story Defiler. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, some of the yeah some of the nightmares kind of look like that, or like big angry teddy bears, or something like that. Um, uh, did you ever see the um, what were they? The Malifaux. Um, yeah. What, so I can't we, remember what they were called, but there was a one. There was a little girl with a massive teddy bear, and the teddy bear had like these big fang-like teeth. Yeah. Oh yeah. We had a, we had quite a few people playing Malifaux at our old um, wargaming club. Um, they all got quite into it, and I'm, and I'm sure I remember seeing that that image. Yeah. Although I never got into Malifaux myself. Yeah, I used to like the models for Malifaux were fantastic looking pieces of. They kit. always looked like really great games. I felt, um, I felt looking at Malifaux uh, because I kind of started paying attention to it quite a lot later than the other people that were sort of getting into it. I, it was almost daunting to me this whole extra universe as. I imagine 40k could be to some people mm. right when you you know Rob mentioned we've been doing this for 25 years we've been playing 40k for 25 years mm. yeah. you know, there, there is like 30 years worth of lore that has built up and um, if you know your fluff like the, the really interesting things that have happened um, and you know we'll regularly mention people characters Gilliman Gurleyman whatever um, and uh if you don't know what that is, it can be quite intimidating yeah. to sort of throw yourself into it. And certainly with the Malifaux stuff, all the characters, the world, the lore, just felt really alien and I just yeah. didn't really kind of get into it. It's funny, funny you say that, I do find that in the shop. 
because you'll get people coming in because obviously you get you get guys that are just starting out they're starting the hobby and then you you start talking to them about stuff and then you get you realize you're like oh my god this is if i go down this rabbit hole with them now <laughs> i could end up losing them forever um but then saying that there's um there's, there's kids who come in and they're like, oh, have you seen this? And they, they, do, you, do you hear about when Sigismund does this? And I'm like, well, I didn't expect you to know about Sigismund. <laughs> this is just unfair. <laughs> it's interesting that you should say that because that's the stuff that really captured me right back in the day. It was the, um, it was the story behind mm. it all. You know, just a space marine and he's like a superhuman genetic warrior and that's all oh, that's amazing. And then suddenly it's like, oh, hold on, you know, there's a there's a whole galaxy out there and it, it so it kind of gets the hook in you or it got the hook in you back in the day yeah but you didn't realise at the time you just found it like interesting didn't you you know it just drew mm. you it was like oh this is something I want to find out more about I mean the codexes are quite good for that um, yeah all the codexes are quite good like they start out you know when you know when we get a new codex I picked up the Space Marine codex mm. then last week yeah and I'll admit I kind of skimmed past some of the space marine fluff i've had it i've had every space marine codex since third edition now so there's not much that's changed but it's laid out in such a way that you you open it up and you've got that that fluff that whole like you say the superhuman yeah soldier um uh, and it, and it, and it draws you in to understand you know this is what it is to be a space marine and then these are some of the famous space marines and then these are some great stories and this is a great war um, you know yeah. the Horus Heresy and then before you know you're like wow this sounds really interesting is there any more to know um, and, and the answer is yes yeah well, so, so so when, when I opened the Gene Steeler Cult Codex the new one the, you know just talk like, I love the fact that they go in these new codexes they seem to be going into sort of the, the sub-factions within the factions mm-hmm. so there's there's like Gene Steeler Cults that have sprouted up on farming worlds and they are deliberately polluting the meat supply to then infect imperial worlds and stuff and it's Very just clever. oh just love it and there's you know you've got other cults that you know deliberately fight well they fight against the mechanicum so all their banners and stuff have like mechanicus heads and stuff on them where they've destroyed a dominus and things like that and it's just oh just the, the wealth of not just the stories just around one faction you see there they've gone so deeply and then I can only imagine what they've got for the others. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen the Space Marine one, I've seen the Chaos one and, and the Tau, but, oh, and Tyranids. Maybe I've seen a lot of them. Um, there's a few. There's certainly a few. And it's, you'd be, it, it, it's amazing how quickly you sort of just absorb all the, the stories and then... But there's so much more out there. Yeah, like, yeah. If, you, if you're even slightly interested by it, then I was just looking around the shop, I was like, do you do the books? Yeah, yeah, but, do, yeah, I, I do. Books. Yeah, I do. But actually, I've sold out. Which is awesome. the black library stuff sells out so quickly. That's um, interesting. It's the story that comes first. Isn't it? It's the imagination has to be fired up first mm. of all, uh, because if you don't have uh, like an emotional attachment to what's going on, then the game, any of the games, are just an exercise in rolling dice, right? Mm. So Malifaux, for example, is a kind of. What it's like a kind of dystopian fantasy world, isn't it? Set in yeah, I was saying it's a bit sort of steampunky. Steampunky, yeah. Yeah. So if steampunk kind of flicks your switches and you find that exciting, uh, then you'll you'll naturally be drawn into the characters and the stories around the characters, and then it makes the game worth playing. But if you can't get emotionally invested in the stories themselves, then it might as well just be any other miniatures game, you know? Yeah, that's right. Um, 
because it's easy to talk about things like Warhammer and, and Warhammer 40k because they go back so long they've been so well established and we're all completely used to all the terminology and everything that goes on inside them right but you know what really jumps off a page or jumps out from a picture and grabs you and says oh that actually is pretty cool oh there's one example maybe which was that game uh, that you showed me Tony it was um, so you see these images of like of Eastern Europe and Central Europe, okay, and there's like farmers and little um, huts and things, and then in the background, in the mist, there's this ginormous mech. Scythe. Oh, scythe. Scythe, right. Mm. Okay, yeah, so as imagery of what's going on, this is like mid-20th century level um, yes. civilization, right, but with these big mechs in the background. Is that, is that sort of correct? I can't remember... The details. It's something to do like it's, I think it's something to do with like the Second World War. It's, it's post the Second mm-hmm. World War, and then history changes a little bit, and then there's some super advanced civilization that does particularly well out of it. Um, but it is definitely. I mean, it's fantasy um, set, probably slightly into the future, but not hugely far. But mm. with a divergent timeline from around the Second World War. But I think the guy that invented the game, or the team that invented that game invented it because someone had already made the artwork the very the, the primo oh, so they, they built the game around the artwork they saw the artwork then they built the game oh wow so it's like the image fired their imagination and then they created a system out of the back of it and I think for gamers it's like often the same way right you have to mm. be really drawn into something yeah that's why when people come into the shop and they always say oh if, if a kid goes to me oh what's the strongest model I want to start with the strongest and start, <laughs> well, that's not the way to start you start by what you like the look of and yeah. then you build it from there because at the end of the day even if you're not going to paint them you've still got to build them you've still got to you're going to be playing with them and you've got to like what you're, you're playing with so like yeah, when they go oh what's the strongest because they just want to like power build stuff straight yeah. away yeah. I'm just yeah. like no. and the Mortarian yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, build I this and have no friends. Yeah, you could Friendly. just come out with like some kind of Eastern style Taoist philosophy and be like, "With great strength comes great responsibility," and just give but... them a box of Pathfinders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the kid will be like, "No, give me more Tarian." All right, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. But remember, I warned you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I warned you, you'd have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think we kind of got off topic again. Like we talked about what, what we're excited. Yeah. Oh yeah, excited. What, 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 what are you interested in, Rob? What are you excited? I don't get excited anymore. I'm like just an old wizened hag, who like feels nothing, uh, no emotion, no emotion about anything whatsoever. But I can talk very nicely about something we did the other day, which I'd never heard of before, which I thought was great. So, yeah. Yeah, which was that Thanos game. Uh, Thanos Rising. That was excellent. I was actually blown away because, you know, it's worth mentioning at this point. I yep. don't know what your take is on it, Ben, but What's like that? these superhero movies. Yeah, well, there's a lot of them. I'm like, you know, not necessarily the biggest fan. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Whereas think... I'm wearing a Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, like, see, the thing is, I, like, I did like some of the super- my biggest thing was I began to sort of fall out of love with superhero movies when I had to watch Uncle Ben die for a third time I feel like once you re- remade Spider-Man so many times oh yeah you know it's just 
You he doesn't mentioned... die in the later. Well, he is dead. He's not around. Spoilers. They never, they never, they never um, mention Uncle Ben in the latest iteration with Tom Holland. Every time you guys everyone say knows Uncle he's ben. dead. Well, there you go. You didn't. They you didn't, didn't say <laughs> anything. So I don't know what you're upset about. They poor, listen to your complaint. Poor, the and poor guy. Poor constantly ben. getting shot. And I'm an uncle. And Uncle Ben. So it's just, it's just <laughs> horrible. Every time you guys say Uncle Ben, all I can think about is delicious stirring sauces. I have no yeah. idea. And rice. Yeah, oh, the, the rices are excellent as yeah, well. Yeah. So now that, now that is off topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, whatever. The point, crowbar is <laughs> the point of what I was trying to get at was that I was not expecting anything from this game. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's Thanos. It's the guy in the red suit that flies around. You know, it's all the uh, Iron, Iron Man. Iron Man. Iron, 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 the guy in the red suit. The guy in the red suit. That flies I can't believe out. you're my friend, Rob. Um, I, I really. I, uh, I kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? I've watched those, and I think they're quite entertaining. So I, I, I like the guy with the scaly skin and everything. He's kind of fun. He's extremely humble, right? Yes. But you've got this thing out of the box. Who's the guy? Dra- with the... Drax the Destroyer. Drax, oh right, that's right, right yeah. yeah. He's, got extremely, this, I never he's extremely humble. <laughs> it's in the movie. So even though I don't know, say I'm a big fan of these films, I do have a, a couple of quotes in my, in my back pocket. But you fish this game out, and it's like, um, there's Thanos. He's trying to gather the jewels of power. The Infinity Stones. The Infinity Stones. And all the heroes there, and there's loads of villains there. And I'm just, Tony's setting up, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, here we go. Well, we started playing, and I was actually blown away. At how much fun this game was. It See, was now in a way, that sort of goes against what we were saying earlier about getting invested in the story to enjoy playing a game because you've done it the opposite way around. Because you That's fascinating. Yeah, you're right. Isn't it? You're right. But it was the it was the technical element of the game that really won me round. Yeah. So it was the game only uses cards to portray the characters, mm. some dice for the. It's not a combat system, really, but dice to kind of <clears throat> fulfil your victory conditions. And then some cards to draw from to determine how the play runs, which direction Thanos faces in, who he attacks. And everyone's got little damage meters and things like this. And you can heal them, you can rescue them, and then you can kind of synergize their abilities as they were on the cards. You build this team of heroes to ultimately go, you know, to go back at Thanos and take out the baddies that, he's, that are around him and take out him. And it just, uh, it was the tempo of the game. Mm. Um, the tempo was perfect. Uh, we, very often we find that we'll play a game and just only takes one round of us all having a go to see what's going on. And um, that's well, exactly unless I'm on the... <laughs> it takes Ben a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. So, it takes me like a whole game to get used to it. It was quick to learn. It felt excellent to play. And uh, actually, uh, I was uh, Black Panther, right? And as I was going through, I was actually getting quite excited that I was like rescuing his car and his side chick and stuff like that his sister okay his sister side, side chick sister <laughs> same thing so uh, <laughs> if I had to rant about something which I am doing it would be like and remind me of the title of that kind of uh, Thanos Rising I would definitely recommend that to anyone and especially if you have a, an interest in those films it, that is a excellent game uh, I mean on that note then you know I'm usually down here most Thursday nights mm. at the Grumpy Pony I bring a lot of board games with me. It's usually an open table. If anybody's listening and wants to come down, yeah, uh, give us a shout in the challenges group, and yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll happily bring it down. And if there's a group of you that want to play it, uh, if I'm here, under the keen observation of myself and probably Ben as well, I'd probably let you guys play with it if you really wanted to. If uh, there were more than a couple, 
Yeah, for those of you who don't know what the Challengers Group is, that is a group on our Facebook page where we've got people that can come in and basically challenge each other to games and basically chat about hobby stuff, really. So if you're interested and you want to join it, just go onto our Facebook page and you can request to join the Challengers Group. Um, no one wants to take me on at Blood Bowl. Yeah, it's been a bit of a slow take-up for Blood Bowl, isn't it? Is it because I drew that first game? And... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 think, I think one one of the things with, with the Blood Bowl League was that that was the first event we sort of put on. So I reckon now, if I, if I was to do it again, there'd be a, a, a higher uptake because there's more people aware of the shop, aware of what we're doing and, yeah. and things like that. So I think we'll do it again for sure and just to see how we go. Um, so I think a, a Does that mean he wins the net? No, absolutely not. Based on a draw, I yeah, think I should be... half and yeah. give him half. He can have the asset. Uh, well, I tell you what, if um, if Leo wants to come in and we'll do a, a playoff for it, yeah, and, and we can we we'll do that. Okay, but, yeah, but you have to earn it. I'm not going to give it. Yeah, to I don't. You. I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't expect to be given yeah, it. That's absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely. A prize of that quality. Oh, it's an awesome golden gnome of just pure grandness. <laughs> I might put it as the thumbnail for this this podcast now. Actually, yeah. yeah. Because I know, obviously, it is a Game of Thrones gnome. So, quick sort of segue into what I'm excited about at the moment. Oh, brilliantly done. Which is oh. Game of Thrones. Super, super Game of Thrones. Now, oh. Tony's been as ecstatic about be, it as I'll, I am. I'll be, I'll, I'll be positive. <laughs> anything bad. Why do you not like Game of Thrones? Oh, just so bored of Game of Thrones. But the miniatures look very. The cool, miniatures are and very good. The game good. looks very interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I mean, my, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. Like most people are, you know, there's only a rare exception to that, which is Tony. Um, but I love it. The fact the series has ended, we can talk about whether or not season eight was worth it or not. But this follows the books. I have say not, but carry on. Well, you don't know. <laughs> you didn't watch it. Your opinion doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. You don't like it. Yeah. You didn't take part, so it's fine. Okay, I'll shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. So, but what, what I, I like the look of this game because you have that off-the-board element, which is the intrigue, and you've got characters like, you know, it, it is a, you know, you are battling, you have got your, your army on the field, but you can use your characters like Cersei, you know, Littlefinger, various, you know, these guys, you, you, they haven't somehow found a way to sort of crowbar these guys into units all of a sudden, they're like leading a... A unit. They're they're off the field. They're doing the the bits on the side mm-hmm. that then just immediately affect what's happening on the pitch. So it's like you know having Cersei being able to just sort of make people run away or units all of a sudden be smaller and she can be really devastating. I think if you're looking at some of the rules for her, you can really sort of well you you, you if you use it right, you can destroy units before they've even you know met another unit. Because on the surface of it, it is a. a like a regimental combat game. Yeah, so you've got your blocks of units and you have to get, yeah, and there's a lot of positioning. You have to make sure that you guys are sort of lined up right to get the charge on. If you get them in the flank, you're getting bonuses. If you get get the, the rear charge off, you're getting bonuses for that as well. Um, you've also got elements in there. There's, um, I think it's a game mode called Feast for Crows. Mm-hmm. And in that, once you destroy a unit, it becomes a corpse pile. And then as the corpse piles mount up, the mental fatigue of the units starts to take hold and more and more guys start just basically leaving the battlefield because they've just had enough. So it's a, a management game of essentially how can I keep these guys fighting and 
you know mm. and it, it's, it's quite interesting how it does sort of have this mental fatigue element that I don't think many well I, don't, I haven't seen it before certainly space marines would never suffer from such a problem well no this is, this is it <laughs> you know it's, well Gene Le Colts wouldn't for a start but it, it, I just find it I find, I, I find that I like that I like the idea that you know you've got your, your, your big characters and stuff that you know you've got the mountain you've got you know Jon Snow and, and all that as well that you can chuck into units or you can you have them off the off to one side where they're doing other things as well obviously some units are better than others so you couldn't really put Cersei in a unit of Lannister guardsmen and expect her to do very well but if you stick her on the side she's an absolute beast and she can do a lot more Jamie Lannister can do both but is it like a points driven game then yeah there's points to it okay um but so oh no, so by that I mean like do you select your army and your characters, your support characters within a points yeah. structure? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And each each card, each unit has its own unit card. And as you lose ranks of men, your amount the amount of dice you roll becomes less, depending on the type of unit. So this sounds very, very reminiscent of sort of early Warhammer fantasy stuff, where you would have uh, successive lines of your, yeah, your, kind your of. There's, there's file and yeah. as, as those as those lines were depleted, mm. the unit itself would become much weaker. And like you said about charging in the flank, charging in yeah. the rear, like that that was always very cool. Yeah, I, I always kind of enjoyed that in the old fantasy, and I've not really got into the new age of Sigma stuff. I can't well, I, I, as you know, I'm I'm a massive fanboy for Age of Sigma. I absolutely love it. Um, but I do know that I, I can see that if you if you wanted something to scratch that Warhammer fantasy itch, Age of Sigmar isn't it. You know, it's going to be some. If you want the big blocks of units and stuff like that, it's going to have to be something else because you can do the formations in Age of Sigmar, but not in the same way. You don't have those big blocks. But it sounds like this this um, Game of Thrones that does yeah. lend itself to that that kind of rank and file yeah. warfare, which was really tactical back mm. in the day you know um, trying to like you say get your unit lined up perfectly for yeah. a good charge and protecting the flanks with, with other units I guess yeah. um, you know I, I've got a lot of time for that yeah no, it looks like and, it, and actually looking at the games and, and sort of as I'm reading it the games themselves don't look like they're, they're that long you know they, they can be quite quick so I, I suppose when you're learning it to start with it's going to be a longer game but once you, once you know the ropes it's going to take about an hour maybe a little bit longer but an hour, hour game, I think would be great. Do you, what, what's your thoughts on games lasting longer or lasting less time? Do you think that, because I ask this because there's generally been a movement towards making games finish faster. I think, and I'm not necessarily convinced that that's always a good thing. It depends, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I like the idea of having both. I like the idea of having a game that you can sit there and play over a few hours or like a, you can put an afternoon to one side and say, right, today we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also like the idea of saying like, okay, let's do a 40K game, but like a really small points game. So you, then you can, get, you can still get your fix, but you can do it quickly and then you can do all the other stuff that, that comes with when you're playing a tabletop game. It's not, just, it's not normally just the game, is it? It's a lot of... You know, socialising, you're chatting. You know, yeah, a little bit like what we're doing now, but you, you're doing it while you're you're playing the game as well. So, I don't know. It sort of depends what mood I'm in. But um, yeah, I think there's definitely been a move for quick games. Mm. But it depends. See, I I think those games as well though. Although when they say, "Oh, this game takes forty five minutes," or "This this game takes half an hour," 
I'd add at least 20 minutes on to that. Ah, so an interesting point you made there about the socialising element. Yeah, because that's... Because, that's... like, what's wrong with being trapped in a room with your mates for four foot... Actually, there's trapped. Trapped. <laughs> 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 trapped. trapped in a room. You can't, <laughs> like, can't feel like that sometimes. <laughs> what's wrong with handcuffing people? To... <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I just remember... Um, or, you know, I don't remember it you know, from way back in the day, although it was going way back in the day, but it still happens. And that's the times when people would get together at, like, four or five o'clock in the afternoon and you'd still be there at midnight... And you've played a game that's where it's the fate, the the fate and fortune of it has flowed one way or mm. the other, and you've drunk whole loads of like cans of Mountain Dew, and you've probably released far too much gas into the room as well, which you only notice when you leave the room and happen to come back into it, you know, to everyone's yeah. uproarious laughter, and um, and that makes for like really good gaming, and I think as you know, if, just, if there's that scope within a system to play a game where you really get the uh, like the ebb and flow of mm. battle. I think what I like having, you know, what I like now, especially with the, the, the way Games Workshop seems to be going, is they always have this three ways to play thing. So you've got the match play, narrative play, and open play. Mm. And what I like is the idea of having, like, chaining together different game types. So, especially if you're doing like a campaign. So, if you have, so, well, I think I was talking to you before, Tony, about doing a campaign where like using the urban conquest map mm -hmm. essentially and everyone's got their sections on the map you then say if i wanted to take your section i'd challenge you to a normal game of 40k so i would say right 2500 points 40k and that would be for control of that sector yeah once that game's been over that's over if then i would if i won that game then i wanted to sort of then completely take it over and actually hold it we'd play a game of kill team and based on the result of that game i could take say an extra 20 points of a kill team that over you or i'd have a, some sort of advantage and then i'd be able then sort of like to sort of simulate us fighting through the buildings to then like take it so then you know having that sort of quick quick fire game in a different sort of setting i think really works because then once you've done that you've taken that sector and then you can choose to do what you like with it. Uh, yeah. So you're sort of stringing the, the game types together. Yeah. And I like that idea. Yeah, we talked about doing that. Um, <laughs> rather than going from sort of 40k down, we talked about going up and we talked about doing sort of big engagements and then encompassing Gothic. Battlefleet. Yeah. Gothic. Yeah, yeah. Um, to help sort of dictate the ebb and flow of a, you know, a planetary conflict. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, uh, and yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the kill team, like because I mean I suppose you could really, you, I mean you could all, I mean you could, I think Gothic is it, still around. Where's it? Where's it end? Like you could go, end? you could go everything from from something as small as kill team to as you know planetary fleet engagement as um as, as Gothic and everything in between. If mm. you wanted to, if you want to forge a narrative with this stuff, there's yeah. there's scope certainly within forty k um, uh, for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Apocalypse. Yeah, of course, and Apocalypse. We will be talking about Apocalypse in a yeah. minute, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think with those game types, and especially, again, going back to like new people, when they come in, you can go like, look, if you've got stuff you just want to put on the table, just do that. You know, you can do that. And then, at least then, they're, they're more encouraged to play, and then they're not sort of bombarded with, you can't do that. You know, that's what I always used to hate when I first started, was 
trying to say like when I was you know just little I didn't really know what the rules were and stuff like that so I just wanted to put my models down on the table and just roll some dice and see what happened but you're big and you still don't know what well yeah but then I you know I never learned but that's now I have the option to never learn yeah. because I can just do open play. Oh, that's a really good point you made there, Ben. And that's something I like about the shop as well, right? And I think people just need to just have that tiny little bit of confidence to say, I'd like to try this. And they'd be amazed at the number of people that would come mm. forward and try it because, yeah. yeah, we talk about like different systems and having big games and small games and everything in between and playing in different styles. But I'll tell you one thing about it is I've, I've never been too backwards about giving something a go. You know what I yeah. mean? Mm. And if anyone puts something in front of me and says, I'd like to just give this a whirl. Yeah. Um, I think invariably, and most people that I know that play these hobbies will say the same thing. It's like, yeah, let's give it a go. You yeah. Know? I mean, we, we spoke about Malifaux earlier. Like, I said, it never drew me mm. in, but that doesn't mean I didn't play any games. I mm. gave it a go. And it, yeah, yeah. And it was quite a clever system. But mm. I mean, it did, it, as it was, it didn't draw me in. But like you say, like, if you're not sure, if something has sparked your interest in any way, shape or form, I might just ask Ben, I guess... And I'm sure he will point you in the direction of somebody else that does it. Yeah. Certainly, if you want to learn how to play 40k, uh, we could probably come down and. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, and actually, funny enough, there was a guy that came in today, and he's going to probably be popping in the shop tomorrow, and he wants to talk about playing 40k, and he's only just started. So. Yeah. God, he needs to play me because I'm terrible. But no, what am I? Rob, Rob pretty- is terrible. <laughs> oh, haven't played, yeah. me, haven't played me yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got a good bit of I want to backtrack ever so slightly. Yeah, go on. What did that kid end up buying that said, what's the toughest thing? Uh, what did he... Oh, he bought the um, Repulsor easy to build. Oh, the Repulsor. Tony, you've got one the of tank. them. I have a, I have the, a Repulsor. Not, not, the Redemptor. The Redemptor, sorry, oh, yes. I've got three of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a bit... have one when you can have three. Yeah. Yeah, he was a bit of a Tony. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. Uh, my Primaris Death Watch army is far from optimised, but I think it's a very uh, interesting thing, and I and I built it on the on on, on the fluff, the, the the whole new Primaris Marines and everything like this. Um, I just thought it'd be really cool to have a fully Primaris army. Certainly, none of our gaming group had done it, and I felt Death Watch was a way to go, but. Um, it sure looks the part, mate. Mm. I'll say that much. Um, I mean, it's dead cool to look at. Yeah, it's almost finished. One more model to go. But the, yeah, the Redemptor Dreadnoughts—they're they, they're a really good addition to the Primaris Force, and yeah, and, and and they're not too cheesy. I don't think they're particularly broken. You know, they're no they're no Mortarian or anything. So um, I, I think you found a good balance between a cool-looking model that they'll have fun putting together. It's got yeah. a few moving parts. Well, I, I imagine actually the easy build probably doesn't have as many moving. No, well, it, it, it literally comes. I think it comes with the um, the cannon, one the battle cannon. What's it called? The like the rotary uh, cannon. The onslaught Gatling cannon. That'd be the one. <laughs> so it comes with that and a power fist. Yeah, and a flame. Which fist. which isn't bad. Like that's not a bad way to load out a, a dreadnought, which is already tough as nails anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't think that's too bad. But what I was going to say was, and if, and if people are interested in sort of following it, we could do that Urban Conquest campaign in tandem with the podcast. So we'll do sort of updates on how the campaign is going through the podcast. What, like a global... So it's like a global campaign? Well, not, not like a global one, but if we've got a bit of a narrative going as well through it, well, we'll work it out, we'll plan it out and see if there's, if there's definitely a call for it. But what we could do 
is we'll have the uh, we have the urban conquest, and we'll, we'll, as we go through, we'll actually have our various characters involved in it, and each game will sort of then turn. So basically, if if inevitably, well, inevitably, when my guy gets murdered by one of Tony's guys. Um, <laughs> He's going to have a bit of a grudge on that guy, <laughs> so, so um, yeah, we'll we'll work it out. And and if if there's a bit of a call and people want to follow what's been happening in that, we can we can do that. And that could be like an ongoing thing. We just as and when we play the games, whatever game it will be, we'll um, we'll add it to the to the campaign. Oh, I want to do a similar. Th- I want to do a very similar thing through the through the YouTube channel. So perhaps we could do mer- merge every, merge it all up together. Yeah, yeah. It was a little way down the line. I wanted to hit a certain number of subscribers before I leapt into that because. I think it's the most fun when you get people out there in the world playing games for their own entertainment that they can also feed back mm. to you as part of a yeah yeah, of yeah an ongoing campaign yeah 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 well we'll we'll have a chat off um, microphone yeah about how we might be able to get definitely all of that working together and encompass both podcast subscribers and YouTube subscribers and mm. hopefully there'll be a bit of overlap here but um, yeah it should be uh, I hope so. I'd like to think so if we can get some 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 of the public involved in it in some way mm. shape or form even if it's just as we you know as, as rob and i were discussing the idea of having just just you know send us a couple of pictures and um mm. uh, a little rundown of how your game went and that, yeah yeah that, that 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 can help forge the narrative yeah yeah absolutely um, no I, I agree i think that'd be nice um but yeah speaking of the, the youtube channel and things like that so you guys are down as well because we're going to do some recording after this, aren't we? That's correct. And I'm going to be taking on the Bunker Assault. Yes, you are. With my beautiful Gene Stiller cult, which I've, well, just painted. That's affirmative. So I'm going to have new model <laughs> syndrome. And if I lose any of them, I'll be throwing a hissy fit. <laughs> well, uh, if the past three Bunker Assaults are anything to go by, you'll be losing pretty much all of them. <laughs> I will be having a hissy fit then. <laughs> so as, as they are new, um, they are not allowed to get shot at. That is one of the rules. Yeah, well, that's BS, and we all know it. <laughs> and I've been there so many times. Oh, I bought a hellhound at the weekend. I've just painted it up. Do you fancy going tonight? Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. You're going to put a hellhound on the table? Yeah, okay. And then a missile just flies straight across the table on turn one and blows it straight up, yeah. immediately back in the box. Well, that, that happened to me not too long ago. With um, I had a colossal cave squig, right. and I was going up against the uh, the Ideneth Deep King, which is like the sea elves for Age of Sigmar, and most of my units were doing all right so like I, it was basically a squig army and most of them doing all right and i thought well the cave squig is going to absolutely demolish whatever it charges into and i charged it into this one unit and i didn't realize it just happens to be like the Ideneth deepkin's monster hunting <laughs> unit that gets a million oh, and one have, bonuses we have all done that before. yeah and then so he just sort of i just charged it in and my brother just went you might as well just take him off now <laughs> just, oh, for god's sake I didn't even get a chance to attack with him. Well, they're all like, like armed with those very, very high frequency whistles that they blow into, mm. and like, <laughs> humans can't hear it, but the animal itself. Oh, mate! Yeah, it, was, it was like I was like I thought I was past this. I'm genuinely gutted. Like, I can't take this off the board. The, 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 the trick with new model syndrome is to just keep playing. Keep yeah, playing yeah. It's true. And the more you play, you realise that you'll get your games with them. Just put some dust on them before you put them on the table. Just get some fake dust. I mean, it's an old model. I yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't used it in a long time. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's so dreadful, I'll stop taking it out of the cupboard. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, I knew, I knew it would die. I knew it would die. <laughs> yeah. Just brought it out because I was, I was trying to bring a fluffy list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, so yeah, do, so do you guys want to explain what the bunker assault is to the guys obviously on podcast land that don't really know what it is? Far away, Tone. Uh, yeah, so um, we came up with this scenario back in second edition 40k some time ago. And the basic premise for this is that you have a very small force attacking another force, and that force uh, that's being attacked is in two bunkers. Um, uh, and um, yeah, the, so so when we did it originally, it was like maybe a dozen models on the table or something like that. Um, uh, and back when covering everything was worked very very differently. So we've sort of redesigned this mission um, uh, to fit within eighth edition now. So I've kind of pitched this at about three hundred points. Um, and you have two bunkers that are about 24 inches away from a load of terrain. Um, and the idea is the attackers are gonna come out of the terrain 24 inches away, they've gotta close the gap, cover no man's land, clear out the bunkers, and do it all within the scope of uh, you know, the five to seven turns um, that it happens. And we tried the first one, we tried it with Space Marines and Imperial Guard and the Space Marines did not do very well. No, they didn't. I would check out the video yeah. if you want a good laugh at Rob. Well, I'll, do, I'll, um, I'll put the links to the videos and stuff on this as well yeah. so people can check them out. And we sort of thought at the end of that, you know what, this Imperial, this 300 point Imperial Guard Force, which was by no means optimised in any way, shape or form, mm. uh, this, this could be a real tough, tough ask for people. And so far, We've done three bunker assaults mm -hmm. now, and nobody's managed better than a draw. It is tough. I reckon speed's the key, which is... Uh, it's a bit of a bone of contention if you watched the last one where I reversed the rolls and was the attacker, mm. and yeah, I think speed... I, I needed one more turn. Mm. Uh, and my, you, got, you had seven of them. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I did, ha I did have all the turns I could have had, yeah. um, but... Like we said, you know, if I if I'd rushed things a little bit further forwards, I might have done better. Yeah. So it's it's a tall ass this bunker assault, and um, uh, you know it you know it is less about necessarily winning, but just doing better than anybody else mm -hmm. at, at attacking the force. And, and and that's not to say that you have to do this mission with the set Imperial Guard force and the set tackling. You can do this with any two three hundred point points. Mm. Um, I think I specify uh, like it should be a patrol detachment, so there's mm. not too yeah. many, too many command points or anything like that. There's not too much cheese, and you're forced to have at least one troops unit in there. Um, so uh, it's at a scale of the game at 300 points that makes list picking very tricky. I actually Even... found it really entertaining because the the amount of time I've spent just sort of going right 300 points. And because you haven't got this huge list that you're going through, I'm just yeah. like, okay, I'll scrap that. And then mm. I could boil down what I'm going to do with the, the actual units, which I very rarely do. Mm. I very rarely go, oh, do you know what? If I take that cult creed, then I can do this. So that, which is it's sort of encouraging me to do stuff that I wouldn't normally do. Exactly. Yeah. It's a very it's such a specific um, mission that you're being asked to do. And the constraint is so tight um, that it really has to get that, those sort of uh, thinking juices flowing. Mm. Um, and that in itself makes it just for an interesting one to try. Yeah, I mean, if I if I get to the bunkers, I'll be well happy. 
Oh, you'll get to the bike. Oh, yeah. Because, I, I mean, you'll definitely get. Yeah, but how many will get there? Well, right. that guy on the bike now will do all right. <laughs> no, just, just the one. Just the one. There's, there's four guys on bikes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but one of them will get there. Yeah, one of them will get there. Well, because I, I do feel if I can get a decent amount to the bunker, then I should be able to kill quite a few guardsmen. But it's just getting there. Well, do you know, people people cottoned on to what was being expected of the attackers quite quickly. So if you go back and you'll see a video where Duncan takes some Eldar against this force, by the end of the game, I think there was one Imperial Guardsman left alive, right? Yeah. Okay. When Tony and I did the one the other evening where it was his Primaris against the Guard, there were two... Uh, yeah, there were two yeah, Guardsmen two, left alive. Two, two guardsmen. So eradicating these, guard, these Guardsmen is instance, doable. It's a podgy... Mm. But in both those cases, despite the fact that the attackers were numerically superior, much stronger than the remaining defenders, the time limit um, prevented them from capturing that second bunker. I mean, you say so that, but that actually, is the task, really. In the second one, in Duncan's one, numerically, um, he he was actually quite struggling. Like most most of the Eldar force was wiped out. It was. The only reason there was anything still on the table, really, was because there was a Wraith Lord he had the wraith slowly Lord. working his way through that just yeah. couldn't be killed because there's no heavy weapons. Okay. Um, but, but he, you know, they still did the job and it still cleared out hmm. a lot of the defending force. But you've got to clear them all. Yeah. You've got to get them all out of the bunker mm. and occupy both. And that's a tall ask. It's but just it like they say in Pokemon, you've got to kill them. <laughs> I don't think that's quite pretty what sure think. that's what they say. <laughs> we'll pretty, go with that. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's probably pretty close. I mean, Google it. I'm pretty sure that's right. Pretty <laughs> yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, so I'm 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 well happy to give this a go, and I don't think I'll do it mainly because I'm sure I'll forget stuff that I think. And the moment I think is going to be, I do this all the time. I've overthought this so much that I reckon there's loads of things that can be really helpful, and I'll either forget them. Or once I do them, I'll realise very quickly they're not even that helpful. Well, um, I'll, I'll be helping you a bit there, Ben, because I like to sort of generally favour underdogs. Tony knows the system very well. He's going to be taking the guard as defender, and um, he knows pretty much what he should be doing. So I'm just going to be like a little angel on your shoulder, hopefully, no, and, and try and like you know make you at least think through carefully so you don't miss anything. Because that's the yeah. worst, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the, that's what I'm worried about. Because yeah, because what I what I always do. Is once I, I'm sure other people do. It can't just be me, but basically, when I'm really excited about doing a certain move or doing a certain special ability, I then forget about everything else, <laughs> skip <laughs> steps, and then be like, "Yeah, we've all done that, and it's tough." Like sometimes when you're playing a friendly game, like you can usually go back. And yeah, think, oh, I'm usually okay to, to 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 reverse it. There's some games when you're playing uh, the second best player in the world of Warhammer uh, no names mentioned where where I feel like I need to be a little bit more yeah, ruthless yeah. And, and you know he needs to be a bit ruthless as well um, but certainly for a friendly game uh, like you usually you can usually go back a little bit yeah and, and I think I think that's one of the things as well actually going back to like the shop I think that's one of the things I was, I've certainly tried to foster that in the shop that you know if, if you could become a little bit too elite you know, I, I've tried to sort of encourage people not to be like that, if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, because when we've got the new guys coming in, there's so many people that come in, they're just like, oh, I want to play, but I don't want to sort of... It's a bit, I think it's a bit like golf. See, I don't want to play golf because I don't want to ruin everyone else's time. And I kind of feel like... That's it, the only reason you don't want to play Well, that, I'm terrible at golf. But, <laughs> but, like, 
But it's the same concept. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's, it's like it's the idea that you, you know you get guys that are desperate. They've got all their models. They want to play, but they're lacking that sort of extra bit of confidence to actually play because they feel like oh, I don't want someone to just be really angry with me because I'm not getting the rules right and stuff like that. And I think that's that's usually the, I mean, the mark of a good player of any mm. uh, uh, for any system, any game, is somebody who can recognise the skill level and potentially uh, nervousness of your opponent and uh, use that to your advantage. But to recognise, you know, when you're playing like a competitive game against somebody who knows the rules really well and, and where every little mistake can cost mm. you, then, then, you know, I'm all for uh, that level of competitiveness. And if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. That's the army that's made yeah. a mistake, whatever. But... If you're playing, you know, with somebody that's new uh, or um, somebody that's, you know, slightly doesn't doesn't know the rules as well, then the mark of a good player is somebody who will uh, kind of let that go, yeah. and will will give you the benefit of the doubt, will remind you that you can do certain things. Mm. And it makes for you know, because ultimately what that will mean is that in two, three, ten years time, in your case, fifteen, um, years. You, you will become one of those really good players where we can have that. That, that yeah. ultra competitive nature, but there's no point in turning people away early doors by being so competitive that yeah. you just pummel them into the ground and they don't want to play anymore. Yeah, could not agree more. Could not agree more. Right. Well, I think that's how much time have we got? How many have we done? We've got for ages, right? Almost an hour. So I think right. So that's the end of our. But we're not going to talk about apocalypse. Oh my god! Yeah. So we're not going to end now. We're going to talk about apocalypse. So. Obviously, we've seen all the stuff on the Warhammer community site. And by we... Obviously, I've seen that. I'm looking at at Rob, and I... (laughs) (laughs) I keep my finger on the the beating heart of the goings-on. Yeah, I've seen some of the the, the, the box set releases. You know, have you seen those, the actual, the apocalypse boxes? I saw some pictures. I haven't actually looked in any depth as to what was included. In fact, I tell a lie. I think I did see the Tyranid one that looked like it had a Morlock or something and a, and a, yeah. and a, a couple of big couple of big monstrous creatures yeah it, well, it, I think the idea behind them is that they have a whole um, detachment in them so you've either got a vanguard detachment or a battalion detachment or that yeah. sort of thing which it, it sounds really good and, they, and you've got the movement traits now as well for you know, yeah, the new units I so. saw those um, they look like, sort of like, like the movement trees looked like they were kind of geared towards having lots of space marines, but lots of mm. space marines is 50 space marines. <laughs> lots of termagants is more than 50. There was, well, they had the smaller sized ones as well. I, I mean, I haven't... Yeah, yeah they had the smaller sized ones. The, what, see, my thing with Apocalypse games, and I've always sort of struggled with it, is the fact that you, you, you say, like, you move your guys, boom, then you wait another hour while everyone else moves their stuff. And you don't, you feel like you're just not part of it. So, and from what I've heard, it's like an alternating activation. Yeah, kind of like what they've done with Necromunda. And yeah. I, I don't know what, I don't know if Kill Team and other things kind of follow the same suit, but the whole idea of alternating activations. So, uh, from what I understand from this apocalypse stuff, and I didn't really play any of the old apocalypse mm. stuff, um, is you activate a whole detachment. Yeah. Um, so, you'll move all the models in, your, in that particular detachment. And then the next person can pick a detachment and, and do it. So, so similar to what we were saying with Thanos rising, like the, the like the there's a there's a there's a level of constant activity. Yeah, and I think that's important with a game that big. I think if you're not engaged in it, it's just not worth playing. 
because it's so big you have to be sort of watching what's going on and then because otherwise if you drift off you'd be like okay what's my 40 blokes over here doing like and it's just, yeah it just be you just end up losing track of it and it's, what's the point? you must have seen a bunch of these played through your time at games workshop right yeah and that's, that's what i say like um i always steered clear of having apocalypse games in my shops when i was at games workshop what's it shop because um because they would just like they were popular they would dominate the shop but to the point where you no one would come in and actually buy anything because you just have it just packed to the point where yeah they're, and they're there and most of them are getting a little bit bored getting a little bit restless because they're waiting for their turn and it was just a bit of a nightmare and i, I just sort of it's i've never yeah. i've never seen a good game of apocalypse you because i think we did a i remember we went into games workshop tunbridge wells and i bought some new tyrannic creature i mean we were still playing second ed um uh, right up until not too many years ago uh we kind of skipped a few editions and then came up to fifth i think um and there were some new plastic kits for the gargoyles yeah that i was really excited about rather than spending sort of 12 pounds for two lead gargoyles you could actually feel the brood of these things which were awesome in second edition and not so good in uh, and as a result of buying the Tyranids, I got kind of conned into taking part in some big apocalypse game that they were having in the store because they needed more Con- Tyranids. Conned into it. Conned into it. We need you. We need you, Tyranids. We need you. All right. Fine. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, I yeah. must. It's nice to know you needed, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it just like everything you said, like um, waiting around for a long time to do anything and then, you know, you turn up with... 60 termagants and somebody turns up with um, uh, a titan of some sort just steps on all 60 of them you're like well yeah that was worth it yeah yeah. yeah. I'll go get a McDonald's now then. that's the one yeah 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 well, that's what I found so I mean from what I've heard it's going to be completely different to that and they've they're, this rule set sort of addresses that um, issue um, have you seen any rules specifically no I've just seen what they've said on the, the Warhammer community oh, site if they do if if Somehow, by some, you know, feat, they actually managed to create that as being a workable game. Mm. I would be, frankly, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Because I think there's just too much going on on the tables a lot of the time. Well, I think they've simplified, um, like, uh, how stuff fights. So, you know, a squad of ten guys doesn't roll ten dice. It rolls, you know, a squad of ten space marines rolls, like, two dice or something. Uh, from what I understand, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't quote me on the. Uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think I think the dice rolling is different in the apocalypse than it would be to forty k. So whereas before, they would basically play you play forty k but with more models and that would be your apocalypse game. Whereas now the rule set's different, so they do have different slightly different stats. I think, like you know, yeah, there's I mean there's a whole different um, stat line. Mm. So you've got uh, weapons have two abilities to wound. So your ability to wound infantry or, or light stuff versus your ability to wound tanks so like a bolt gun's good at killing guardsmen uh, but not so good at getting through tank armor yeah um but also like things don't have like 30 wounds and stuff like that it it, it from what i've seen from what i understand that i could have misunderstood it sort of implies that um uh stuff is easier to uh like it's easier to whittle down a big unit of 30 boys like there's just a couple of like um like like lightly damaged heavily damaged mm. gone yeah um uh dude man you're saying all of this stuff and all i can think is constantly like in my mind repeating is why don't you just play epic 
Uh, Sorry, am I just too grumpy? <laughs> well, well, Epic. I mean, Epic is great, but hasn't really been re-released. No. In, in in many many years, and although I know we've toyed with using the current edition of rules with Epic, there's not really very many miniatures. Basically, since they got rid of um, templates, yeah, you can actually play Epic, use Epic miniatures and play 40k rules. Hmm. And it works okay. You, yeah, just, just, you just substitute all the inches for centimetres, and it pretty much works okay. It translates. Oh. The, the problem with it is, is that actually getting miniatures to yeah. better represent it. Um, well, because they've got Titanicus, haven't they? Which is more sort of Imperial Knights. Yeah, which is the Knights. Um, which is cool, and it looks excellent. I've played, um, played a couple of games of that, and, it, and, it, and it's a really nice, nice environment to play it. Um, but you still suffer from the problem of 40 orcs, or a squad of 30 orc boys gets into combat with something, and you're rolling 90 dice, 120 mm. dice. Like yeah. The numbers start to become ludicrous. So what they've done with this apocalypse system is to say, right, well, a unit of 30 boys is, like, is, is, is still a terrifying force to be reckoned with, but tempered that with, you know, the, the, you know, they'll still strip some wounds off a Lord of Skulls or a Knight or whatever, but um, you, you, you can represent that with a smaller number of dice, so you can mm. keep the pace of the game going a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. Um, it'd be really interesting to see, I mean, you know, Rob, you've got how many tens of thousands of points worth of Imperial Guard with all your tanks, oh, I say tens of thousands, tanks are cheap. Well, I've got a lot. Lives, Imperial Guardsmen are cheaper. Yeah, right? yeah. But, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's just so unwieldy to break out. You know, um, and, it is. And table it's, up. Something... it's extremely unwieldy. Well, I mean, the, the bonus is now. See, the difference is, in this shot, I would definitely have an Apocalypse game because I can stick it in the, in the war room and people can sit in there and play it. And it's not sort of dominating the whole shop floor. So at least we've got a nice space to do it if someone did want to play it in here. Um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm on the fence. Mind you, I was saying that. I was on the fence about contrast paints, and now I'm well and truly over that fence and in love with them. <laughs> maybe an apocalypse game, maybe people just still continue to buy it off more than they can chew. Maybe an apocalypse game <coughs> where you have perhaps 6,000 points aside, something of that kind of scale. I've always seen too much stuff that pushes for like 10 or 15 or 20,000 points, ridiculous amounts of miniatures, becomes completely unwieldy. If you have three players aside, 6,000 points on each side and do it using the apocalypse rules I'd like to see that done it's a decent sized game as well it's not like it gets large without being beyond staggering I mean my, my only fear with apocalypse um, and, and, it, and it helps back to what I mentioned earlier it's like you know you like it, it's a really interesting idea that you know you've got several thousand points worth of imperial guard I have many thousands of points worth of tyranids a lot of which I would never field normally mm. Um, and Apocalypse gives you the forum to be able to put all five, five six thousand yeah. points worth of tuners on the table. But that's you know that's a Reaver Titan, mm. and uh, that is no fun to play against. Yeah, with with a unit of thirty Hormigans and 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 sixty Termagants, like and some carnifex or whatever, and some carnifex. Like, no, do I suppose they, they don't translate? I, I, I mean, I could be wrong. It'd be really interesting to see. The mechanics, but I still I don't see how they're going to get around uh, you bringing your army mm. that happens to make up four thousand points, but 
probably 2,000 points you'd never normally feel because it's not really very good yeah. in this particular edition uh, versus somebody who's gone out and bought a bunch of knights or a titan or something. Yeah. Um, Mind you, you can say that about any game. I mean, you, if you've got your... I mean, there's always a power list in any game, isn't there? I mean, like I say, you, you, Mortarian, you were saying, like, if someone's gone out and bought a Mortarian, it's going to be better than any Death Guard without him. Yeah. So you, you, yeah, that, you could say that about any. But at least you can find out that Mortarian is ruining your day, but by only playing a, playing a fifteen hundred point game against him. <laughs> Whereas you have to put all of your miniatures and suitcases, drive them to a hobby centre, spend one and a half hours setting them up on the table, another hour to move them into the teeth of the guns of a Reaver Titan, only to discover that you have to put them all back in the cases and drive them home again. Well, but, you see, this is where, as a Tyranid player who has this, for yeah. many years done uh, spammed. Termagants and uh, and what are the big ones? The ones that spawn more. Turbagons. Turbagons. Turbagons, yeah. Uh, you know, I've done that before, uh, and the trick is to bring a dustpan and brush with you. <laughs> <laughs> so you can sweep more of them off the table. And if you really want to be horrible. woke about it, right? You don't even reuse them, you put them in a bin, and you buy fresh ones off the shelf <laughs> to replace them. That's the responsible thing to do. <laughs> Now that you've got the contrast paints, I can paint them up quickly enough yes. to see them die on the table. I mean, I, yeah, all, all I can say is, as a Night Goblin and now Gloom Spike Gits player, I can only sympathise with that. <laughs> like, you know, especially when, like, back in like, Warhammer Fantasy days and you had your, your big block of Night Goblins, and someone, all you had to do is wait for someone to drop any elf unit in front of it, and you were like, well, I might as well just put them back in the box because yeah. there's no point. Yeah. Biomass. Yeah. There's my 120 <laughs> goblins. <laughs> <coughs> I played goblins once one time and Wham Fashion. I love them. I think they're brilliant. I love big regiments. Well, I mean, the amazing thing is now with Age of Sigma, which is what, one of the reasons why I love it so much, is that everything's viable and you, every army is good at something. And you, you, you can have a game against anyone. They, they're really good, balanced games. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure people say they're not balanced, but I am, I am yet to have a bad game of Age of Sigma. I've enjoyed every single one and every single time something funny's happened or we've had a really close game and it, it's been great I've really enjoyed it that's nice to hear well yeah because he's about to have a really bad game I'm about to have a really good yeah, <laughs> absolutely smashed at 40k aren't I but uh, well lastly actually one more thing before we go I thought um, Sisters of Battle so we've oh. got a Sisters of Battle release coming out there's going to be a pre-order coming out for the, the first Plastic Sister since they announced the new release. Um, I think she's called the Canoness something or other. Canoness of Plastic Sisters sounds like some kind of big hair group from the 80s. Yeah. The Plastic uh, I mean, this is a battle. It would how excited an awesome are... looking army if they all had really big hairdos. What are we talking like Amy Winehouse oh, style hairdos? Yeah. No, more big, like uh, the Bangles or Banana Rama. Sorry, there's a lot of, of, uh, of young, you know, boy fantasies pouring out right now talking about this. Okay, so I mean, we need a load of green stuff. Yeah, yeah. Some contrast paint. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, to get over it. Definitely some contrast paint. <laughs> Take two pellets of green stuff and wash it down with contrast paints for the next seven days until you see, we'll, see, get... see how you feel. <laughs> the, only, the only reason, the only reason I ask about the the Sisters of Battle thing is because it, it's one of those armies, in in addition to squats, that every time one gets mentioned, someone inevitably mentions the other, and I've always said, like with Sisters of Battle, we've never been one of my armies. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're releasing and some of the models look kind of cool. But 
there are some people that I know that are so sort of like, oh, I can't wait for the sisters about to come out. And I'm just a little bit skeptical, skeptical about those, this is as an army or whether or not it should be part of an Imperium Codex or should it be on its own? Well, not skeptical is the wrong word. Like, but you know what I mean? I'm, I'm more curious as to where do you think it should go? I think it's a standalone army. It works as standalone. So yeah. I, I, I watch a lot of um, other uh, wargaming channels and things. And uh, there's one channel in particular that I watch, and they have a Sisters of Battle army. And I, I'm always underwhelmed by them. Like, don't mm. get me wrong, like, the lore behind them is really yeah. good, and the models look ace. Yeah. Um, but I, ju- I just feel like you're taking your... It, it, they're sort of halfway between an Imperial Guardsman and a Space Marine. Yeah. You've got the stat line of a Guardsman in power armor. They don't hit as well. They don't hit as hard. Um, they're only toughness three. They just don't... Well, what? Yeah, well, this is what I'm saying. Well, so, but, I mean, for me, as someone who prefers to sort of paint overplaying anyway... I'd say that they're great. I think some of the models that are coming out look fantastic. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, the new the new Canon S that's coming out. I think she looks she looks brilliant. And there's 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 one that they released I think last year where they modelled her based on some artwork. Previously, it was really really nice. Um, it's one of those ones where I kind of feel the same. I mean, I I'd love for squats to come back, but I also feel like if they did come back you'd have the same issue. What niche would they fit? Exactly. You'd have that same issue. Why, that is, why does everything have to have, what, like a rule, like a, 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 I mean, a performance niche? Like every, an angle? Every, every army kind of has, has a thing about them. So if you were to pick orcs, mm. like, you know, there's, there's a sort of theme with orcs versus space marines or Eldar or something like that. Um, Squats, I, I mean, it's easy, man. Yeah, well, but they, they well, tunnel. Yeah, but they know, besiege you. The, the, they're very hard to, the, the to kill, is, the thing and is, they're slow. The thing is, right? I, I love dwarves. I love everything about them. I think it'd be great. But my my sort of concern would be that I'd like to see them as a as an army that isn't part of the Imperium. Yeah, squat warlords. Yeah, you know. But I feel like they would. I mean, I'm I'm hyper. I'm guessing about something that may never happen. But I, I kind of feel like if they did bring them in, they would be just a sort of subset of the Imperial Guard. They bring them in as, say, ratlings. Ah, oh, well, I think that would be an error, uh, because the Squat Homeworlds are, are like giant um, swathes of the galaxy in their own right. You know, aren't they? That's that's the point. And the, they were isolated from humanity for yeah. like millennia, so they're different culture, different breed effectively so they should just be fiercely independent like dwarves are that, that's what I feel like right? they should so be if, yeah. if they pursued that angle yeah. they could create something more akin to the Tau yeah right and with its own unique character but yeah but <laughs> you say like uh, Sister of Battle is you know the uh, stat line of a guardsman in the armour of a, of a space marine right this is another thing that we've long lamented and that is that you're trying to build variation within a D6 system mm. right mm. basically are you going to have someone with a ballistic skill of of uh, five plus, of uh, six plus, five plus. This is getting a bit poor. You know, are you going to have guys with consistently high ballistic skills? But like, all ballistic skills fall into the three plus, four plus mm. camp across all armies. Yeah, well, yeah. except for the orcs. 
Okay, which are five plus, right? Fine, but I mean, it's like that's a, that's you're limited. The variation is limited by the number of numbers that exist along the number yeah. line, right? Yeah. So of course there's going to be overlap and things you can compare one thing to the other. So the only other place you have to go with it is the actual character of the army, the models, the wep- the kind of weapons you give them. Mm. You know, and and in that respect, I think the Sisters of Battle look amazing. They're brilliant. I, I think they look great. It's the Imperial Church. Right, you know, within the law of forty k, it, it needs a place mm. because you've got the space marines. They're something unto themselves. You've got the imperial guard, but that's the army of the of the empire, right? But the the other side of it is the church, is the ecclesiarchy, and you know the fact that they're female is brilliant because it harks back to that old law thing, doesn't it? Mm. That scripture or something written by the administrator said that the the ecclesiarchy should have no men under arms. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they're all women. And, and they just heard loophole. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Fantastic. You yeah, know, yeah. That's, that breathes life into yeah, the whole yeah. universe. Like, little things like that. But then I think that they should just pad out the uh, pad out the range of options, you know, because you had the flying sisters, didn't you? The seraphim. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got, like, the foot troopy ones. You've got the various houses they can be from. I love it. You know, they, they should be called the foot troopy ones in the codex. I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> foot troopy ones big gunny ones <laughs> but then you've got like the frat- fraterist militia yeah yeah the, daka daka ones the fraterist militia were like actually the kind of like just um the, all the all the hangers on that you would pick up when you go on a crusade which included like you know male males as well it was anyone that wanted to pick up an auto mm. kind of come along for the ride yeah well you could explore that side because that militia is going to be as just as varied as anything you'd find in the Imperium mm. isn't it's it it's going to be a big squad of Chaos Cultists basically yeah, um, yeah. But, but, but with the Imperium um, stuff with the Imperium it. yeah yeah exactly and all the fun that comes along with that all of the uh, little buffs and things you can give with when you send in you know the confessors to mm. to do the battle rights with them and that sort of stuff and you know they've, I don't think they ever had an aircraft did they uh, Ooh, the Sisters uh, of Battle yeah they probably deserve th- an aircraft. I, th- I think they, they did, didn't they? But it was more. It looked more like the Imperial. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they didn't. Actually, I'm trying to think if they did. I'm sure, someone will mention if we did. If they did, I know they've got a few interesting tanks. tanks. Yeah, I like the, the tanks. Tank yeah, 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 yeah. I do like that, yeah. and I and I like. And you know, I'm a sucker for a candle. Was it the? Um... <laughs> Well, the, the apostle mm, was it the, scented? Yeah, yeah, I like a scented candle in a bath bomb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we're like you know, is it the apostle in the shadow spear box? Um, is it the apostle? You go, he's got like the goat head, the goat head skull thingy, thingy. He's like that, and he's got candles. Oh yeah, the, uh, the baddie, the, the uh, yeah, the, the chaos guy, the baddie bad, the man. dark apostle. Yeah, yes, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> candles, the, the choppy choppy walking, choppy guy. choppy man. Ah, what? stabby stabby chaos guy. <laughs> I didn't realize he was holding candles. Oh, I've wanted a couple of dynamite sticks. Four of them. Well, I, I, I love the the idea in in Warhammer where you know the the idea of decoration is to melt a candle to your shoulders and to just hold skulls everywhere. I just love I love that idea with forty k. That, That's brilliant. Yeah, and they just have they're just like oh we used to have candle holders, but this is the forty first millennium now. We haven't got time for that, so, so we just balanced wax all over you the security guard at home bargains is that, sir you, you can't come in with the candles lit yeah. on your shoulders anymore yeah. to buy more candles so please <laughs> you have to you know, forget <laughs> forget you heretic I'm going in <laughs> oh super noodles yeah. <laughs> yeah. do you have any scented <laughs> excellent well 
Awesome. Well, I, I tell you what. On that, on that note, I think I think what we'll do is we'll wrap it up. We're wrapping it up on we're scented ra- candles. We're, ra- we're we are definitely wrapping it up on scented candles, um, guys. Thank you so much for thank you, taking part in this. It's been amazing, and thanks to everyone for listening. It's been well an hour and twenty minute minutes almost. So um, yeah, you're still listening by this. Stage. You're still listening by this time. You are a trooper, and uh, if anyone is actually listening to this, right? Let's see if how many people are. Right. If anyone is, comment in the comments box underneath Stark. For that's right, how Stark. Really? Yes. Yes, really. Yeah. Right. Okay. So if anyone's listening, oh, it's gonna be really depressing now because no one will no. do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna post Stark ironically. Yeah, you, you. All right. Well, um, yes. Yeah, so thanks everyone for listening. Thanks you guys for taking part. And, uh, yeah, look forward to doing another one. And hopefully you guys come back for another one at some point as well. Sure thing. Love to. Great.